Hello, and welcome to another episode of Music and Therapy with Relationship Coach Kiana W. Mitchell. I am your host, Kiana W. Mitchell. This week on the podcast, we have an amazing guest who has an amazing story to tell about the tragedies in her life and how they helped her to find her life purpose as a mindset and business coach. But before we interview her, let's briefly recap last week's episode. So last week on the podcast, we talked about stonewalling and how it can destroy your marriage. Now, some of the takeaways that I got from last week's episode was that there are two types of stonewalling. There's intentional stonewalling and unintentional stonewalling. Now, most people do unintentional stonewalling where they're not trying to hurt you. They're not trying to avoid problems, but this is their defense mechanism. And this is how they avoid problems. This is how they avoid conflicts and confrontation. So that is unintentional stonewalling. And that's what the majority of people do, just trying to avoid confrontation or an uncomfortable situation. Intentional stonewalling is a little bit different. This is when someone uses stonewalling as a way to manipulate you. And this can be seen as a type of emotional abuse because they're using this to get what they want from you. So it's not oh, I'm trying to protect myself, I'm just trying to avoid confrontation, it's more like, okay, so I'm going to ignore you and pretend like you don't exist and stonewall you so I can get what you want. So there are two different things. One is unintentional, one is intentional. Intentional is bad and it's a form of abuse. Unintentional is just a person who don't know how to deal with conflict and they're trying to avoid confrontation at all costs. Number two, some of the basic signs of stonewalling could be... um, And this is important so you'll know what you're dealing with and understand what stonewalling is. So you can, stonewalling means that you're ignoring what the other person is saying or what you're saying is being ignored. The person who stonewalls will change the subject when the topic is uncomfortable or serious. People who stonewall storm off in the middle of arguments or conversations, or they come up with reasons not to engage in conversations. They refuse to answer your part there anything that you may have to say. So if you're refusing to answer your partner's questions, then you could be stonewalling them. If they refuse to answer your questions, they are probably stonewalling you as well. In stonewalling, there's accusations. So the, instead of addressing the issue at hand, we, the partner will accuse you of something instead. So what they would do is project things onto you to avoid dealing with the problem at hand. Or they can just use body language, such as rolling their eyes, hand gestures, um, crossing their arms like I'm just not listening. But they will show you body language that'll let you know, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not interested in anything you have to say. I don't want to be bothered. Procrastinating. And conversations about serious matters is also a form of stonewalling because they just don't want to deal with it. Or they can just refuse to acknowledge that they do any of these things, which is a form of stonewalling. And finally, you can tell that it's stonewalling in your relationship if your spouse or partner has a habit of walking away from confrontations and never coming back to resolve the issue at hand. Now you notice I said never because there are times in a situation or conversations or arguments, especially when you are married or in a relationship where it gets heated. So someone needs to walk away for a moment to calm down and get themselves together. That is not stonewalling. If someone 
walks away in the middle of a heated debate or conversation. They take a moment to calm down. They relax. They regain their composure. They get some clarity on the matter, a different perspective. Then they come back to resolve the issue. That is not stonewalling. And that is healthy to walk away sometimes if things get too intense so you can come back and resolve it with a clear head. However, stonewalling is different because the person walks away and they never come back to resolve the issue. So this is the vein about stonewalling and this is the distinct characteristics of whether you're being stonewalled or whether someone's just walking away or shutting down for a particular moment in time. So if you guys want to find out more about the dangers of stonewalling in your relationship, then make sure you listen to last week's episode of the podcast called What is Stonewalling? Now today we have an amazing guest. Her name is Leticia and she is going to talk to us about what happened in her life. It was absolutely a pleasure to talk to her and I loved what she had to say. She went through a lot of things, but in the midst of everything that she went through, she was able to find clarity and she was able to find purpose. And I'm telling you this, and I think her interview and her story is really good for us because sometimes in our lives, we're going to have conflicts. We have gone through a lot of things because we're people and we've gone through things. And sometimes we think that the things we've gone through are a hindrance to us so that they're going to stop us from being the best version of ourselves but listen no matter what you've gone through you can overcome anything and this story and this interview with Letitia lets us know that you can overcome anything that life throws at you so we are going to now listen to the interview with Letitia as she tells us about what happened to her in her childhood and how it propelled her to be the best version of herself and to become a life coach. So here's the interview that I did with Letitia. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Music and Therapy with Relationship Coach Kiana W. Mitchell. I am your host, Kiana W. Mitchell. Guys, this week on the podcast, we have an amazing guest. Her name is Leticia, and she is just awesome. Now, I could talk about her all day because she's so amazing, but I'm going to let her speak for herself and tell you a little bit about herself. So, Leticia, welcome to the program. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you for having me. So, I am a business mindset coach. Got into coaching Um, as a result of the experiences that I had as a young girl. At the age of seven, I was told by a family member that my birth was the reason for my parents' divorce. Wow. Both of my parents remarried and both of their spouses made their dislike for me unknown. So I spent years looking for validation, looking for love, Um, And that led me to a relationship with a man at the age of 14 who was twice my age. So he was 28 years old. And I entered into this relationship because finally, after years of wanting to be accepted for who I was, here this man was accepting me, loving me. And my parents found out about him quite early. My mom did a background check on him. And she warned me. She said, he is a very dangerous man. But of course, I've not got a great relationship with my mama. (laughs) So I thought she was just trying to block, you know what I mean? Like, just trying to get in the way. I hadn't seen that 
I hadn't seen that part of him because every relationship that he had been in had ended in restraining order. Oh. At the age of just before 16, he put his hands on me for the first time. He choked me. And I knew that that wasn't a relationship that I wanted to be in. So anything that was in his house, I packed into a trash bag and went about my business. But my relationship with my family was so contentious. Um, I, after breaking up with him, I had gotten into a fight with my mom's husband um, and I threatened to commit suicide. And he mocked me. He mocked me. He called everybody into the kitchen. It's just going to kill herself. Let's watch her. And I took a handful of pills and ran out of the house. And I remember my mom being so angry, like, why would you do that? Why would you kill yourself? And me thinking, well, why didn't you stop me? Because you sat there and watched me. So my relationship with my parents got worse from there. You know, I was very resentful. Um, because I, I was feeling like I wasn't being heard. I wasn't being seen, you know, the narrative that I heard my entire life was that I'm too loud. I'm too opinionated. I'm got too much attitude. I'm too smart for my own good. So I had this big personality, which I describe as a self-contained hurricane and no one was accepting me for me. And that was a difficult phase of my life I just felt like no one understood me and I remember by this time I'm about 17 I got into a fight with my mom I put my hands on my mama and a couple of days later I got a letter from my mom's lawyer telling me that I was no longer allowed on her property and if I returned to the property I would be removed by the police so I'm a minor with nowhere to go Mm -hmm. and as you can imagine when you know I grew up in the 80s so (laughs) you know if I'm not in a good relationship with my parents my parents family are handling me with a long-handled spoon you know I was a child and I was always wrong so I was faced with being homeless um so I did what I knew to do I called the man that had choked me and asked him, could I come and live with him? And he said, yes. And that began years, nearly seven years of abuse for me. Um, I eventually got a job in law enforcement. And because I worked very closely with the police, I saw the side of the police that the public didn't see you know they would be gossiping about what was going on in people's households talking crap about people so for me being in that situation I never want anybody to know what was going on so there were times where the police could have been called and I could have been out of that situation, but I was living in shame. I was living in guilt because I had spent so much time defending this relationship. You know, I'm with this older man. Why are you with him? And I had to defend it. Like I couldn't be like, I don't want to be there. Cause if that ever got back to him, where am I going to go at sure. this age? There was one night after I married him at 19 that I couldn't find my cell phone and it was you know back in the 90s 
<laughs> little flip thing, you know, it wasn't a big deal. Yeah. Well, early 2000s, it wasn't a big deal that I didn't have this thing because it's not like my whole life was on it, like now, right? Yeah. I mean, if I didn't play Snake, I, I don't think it would be a bad thing. But that night, my friend who usually called my cell phone called my landline, my house phone, and she was telling me about her relationship. She was in an abusive relationship with a heroin addict and she didn't know what to do. And because I had been in this relationship for a long time and painted a really, really pretty picture, people were coming to me for advice. Could I give advice? Really? No. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't going to let people know what was going on. And I remember this night, I picked up a book to encourage her. It was called Until Today by Yana Van Zandt. And I randomly opened this book and started reading a passage to her. And I don't know if you ever had this feeling of being a sinner in church. Like you go to church and the preacher is talking directly to you. This passage made me feel naked, right? Like, oh my God, she's talking directly to me. She was talking about how we often find ourselves in interpersonal relationships that are not working. And that is because people are in our lives for a reason, a season, and a lifetime. And we are trying to keep people in our lives longer than they need to be. And that's why no matter what we do, these relationships don't work. The circumstances around these relationships are stressful because this person has served a purpose in their life, in your life. And I remember sitting there thinking to myself, wow. If that's not a sign, I don't know what he is, right? Like that spoke directly to what I was going through. But that night, my husband came home very drunk. He had found my cell phone. And in that cell phone were text messages with another man, me with another man. Mm -hmm. And he was angry, very, very angry. And I remember witnessing him picking up a knife and telling me that I'm in trouble. <laughs> I ran to the landline and I called my mother and I was like, listen, you ought to come get me right now. Because I knew, I knew in my heart that if I didn't leave that house that night, I would be dead. Yeah. And I remember him saying to me, the only way you're leaving tonight is in a body bag. Oh After he realized that I called someone and he had ripped the, the, the landline out of the wall. So we had a fight that night and he had tried to barricade us in the bedroom. We were living with somebody and that person wasn't home at the time. So we fought. I was literally fighting for my life. And I always describe this as a auto body experience. I remember it was like, I was watching it like it was a movie, like it wasn't actually happening to me. And I remember seeing the knife come towards me, but I never processed pain. I never, I think in the adrenaline in the chaos of everything that was going on. I didn't realize that I had been stabbed. And in the commotion, his friend had come home and heard us fighting and Mm -hmm. broke into the room. I ran out of the room and fell onto the couch. And I think in that moment, I realized that I was hurt 
still not processing pain. It was just, why am I warm? Like I could feel the blood running, you know, like what is that feeling? He ran after me and straddled me on the couch and tried to continue to stab me. And luckily he kept hitting the couch, you know, the back of the couch. Um, His friend pulled him off of me and I was then pushed outside. Like, we don't need this drama here. So you need to leave. They were probably scared that I would call the police. so I am grateful that my mother took me serious that night Mm -hmm. and I wasn't outside long when my mom pulled up and um we managed to get away and even in that moment I thought I was going to my mom's I can collect myself have a plan of action and less than two hours later my mom said to me well where are you gonna go because you can't stay here So I was taken to the police station and then I was transported to a homeless shelter where I stayed for two and a half months. And I think I was slightly naive. I was young and I thought that walking away would change everything for me. Like the blink of an eye. I'm no longer in this relationship. My life is fixed. But I didn't have a way to deal with my trauma. I didn't have a way to express the emotions that I felt because I was still living under this blanket of shame. I still didn't want anybody to know that I was what I was going through. I didn't tell anybody that I was getting a divorce even um, because I didn't want people to judge me. And I also, if I'm honest, felt guilty about walking away from my marriage. So that guilt and shame turned into drinking for me. I drank a lot and I wasn't drinking wine or wine coolers or something sweet. I was drinking scotch and I, it got to a point where I was drinking a bottle of scotch a day. Wow. And weird thing is I don't actually like being drunk and I hate the taste of scotch, Mm -hmm. but I went through those missions for years to numb my pain yeah I eventually stopped drinking but my self-sabotaging behaviors continued for years um I almost up until I was in my 30s I was constantly in situation ships because <laughs> they weren't relationships yeah. that were toxic because I paid attention to anyone that gave me attention right you know, so I could be out on a drunk night and somebody's like, hey, girl. And yeah, I'm in this situation now because of that. This situationships got me into a lot of trouble. So I was in situationships with married men. I was in situationships with addicts. One of them, well, two of them were relationships. One was with a man that I was living with for nearly three years and then I found out that he was married but in those three years he drained me of him is all the money that I hated because he was a cocaine user and because I was still empty inside I felt like my purpose was to save him Mm -hmm. 
I, after that relationship, after finding out about his wife, I spent time putting my life together. And I think I was in a really good place for the first time in maybe 10 years. And then I met this guy. <laughs> like I believe in manifesting, right? So yeah. when I tell you I manifested this man, I manifested him. I remember having a conversation with my friend and I was like, listen, the next relationship that I'm going to get in, this guy is going to have this 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 and this and it was like 45 things that I wanted and I was certain like you know I'm finally gonna I'm not gonna settle I'm not settling so I meet this guy and he tipped every box but one he wasn't taller than me right because I'm 510 I wanted somebody like six four right But I felt really hard and I felt really heavy. And I will say that for the first year of my relationship, it was picture perfect. Mm -hmm. Like everything about this guy was great. And then someone in his family died. And I was aware of his previous drug use. And because of the relationship that I had been in, I was hyper aware of any changes that happen because I was like, look, if you've got a problem with drugs, I can't deal with that anymore. Yeah. He relapsed on crack cocaine after his family member died. And that began a year of turbulence for me. You know, I had already been committed to this guy and I felt like it was my duty to save him. In the process, I started looking for rehabilitation for him. And I met this woman who was a coach. And I remember her saying to me, listen, sis, you're broken. And I want to help you. And I was like, I don't need no help, girl. (laughs) I'm good. (laughs) I'm super good. I just need to get help for my boyfriend. And she said, well, take my card if you have a change of mind. I was aware of the power of coaching because I'm like Iyana Vincent's like number one fan. I have all her mm-hmm. books. I have all her workbooks. Like I have everything. So I realized one of the lessons that I learned from reading Iyana was that there's always a lesson in the test that we have. And it's up to mm-hmm. us to identify them so that we don't keep experiencing the same lesson over and over. So I'm in this relationship and I'm trying to focus on myself, but it's kind of hard when your whole heart is connected to someone that is struggling, right? Right. He was stealing from his job. He was a chef and he was stealing from his job unbeknownst to me. And he called me one day and asked me to come pick up a package for him. And I didn't think anything of it because he was catering on the side right so like he always used to get food from his job at cost rather than you know going somewhere else and paying more money for it so I went picked up this package and I was surrounded by security and they were asking me a whole lot of questions and I was like look just take the package it has nothing to do with me right so life goes on but two weeks later I got a call from my the receptionist at my job telling me that the police were there to see me and I was arrested on my job for handling stolen goods oh no so although I had been working on myself 
I now find myself a former law enforcement officer in jail. And for me, that was my rock bottom. Like it wasn't the stabbing. It wasn't all of this stuff that I went through in the nearly 10 years after my stabbing. It was having to call my mother from a police station and tell her that I need a lawyer. And I thought she would just call a lawyer and send a lawyer. But no, she came down to the jail. So I am sat behind a glass, talking to my mother Dorothy, watching her cry her eyes out. And she said to me, why do you love yourself more than, why do you love everyone else more than you love yourself? Wow. And that was like a Mike Tyson body blow. You know what I mean? Like that. You're at your lowest point. And if you are going to sit there and reflect in a jail cell, that is something to reflect on, right? And I realized in that moment that although I wasn't responsible for these sterling goods, my actions and my decisions to date were the reason why I was in jail. And I needed to do something to change that. Luckily, there was no case to answer. I was never charged. I think it was a a fishing expedition, you know, like, let me get her so we can get more information about him. And, but once I left, I called that lady, that, that coach. And I said, I'm ready. I'm ready because I realized that if nothing changes, nothing changes. Right. So I worked with this coach for five months. And I realized that I had taken a stance of a victim. I was a victim. Life was happening to me. Um, You know, I had no control over what was happening. And like, where is me? Like, you need to throw me a, a, a pity party because I've been through all of this. And the coach made me realize that being a victim actually was giving away my power. Yeah taking ownership for my actions and taking ownership for the decisions that I've made is what actually gives you the power to heal, to move forward. And I realized through the coaching that although my experiences made me a survivor, my healing and my willingness to work on myself is what will, what made me a driver. So I left Bermuda and I moved to the UK and I restarted my life after working with this coach. I, I focused on my career. I My career took off because I was just so focused on doing the right things. And I ended up with a job in Lloyd's of London. And for those who don't know, Lloyd's of London is the oldest insurance institution in the world. So for me, that was the pinnacle of my career. But the problem with that was I was a Black foreign woman <laughs> in a row with, in a, in a, in a male dominated industry and I wasn't respected right so the narratives that I heard as a child you're too much you got too much attitude you know you're too smart for your own good that started coming up in my corporate life and it triggered me actually it got to a point where I was just like why am I doing this like yes I need the money yes I need to take care of my family but why why am I doing this day in and day out and I'm so miserable 
And it reminded me of my mom because I watched her for 27 years working a job that she hated yeah. so that she had time to be with her children. And I remember questioning that as a child, like, why would you do that? Like, why are you miserable? Like, why are you intentionally miserable for money? And I had always promised myself that that wouldn't be my life. And I realized that it was. Right. So I did something about that. I had two babies back to back. So on my second maternity leave, I was like, I got to do something different. And I started a coaching certification. I had done some coaching courses through my job because I was a manager. So I did like personal development, coaching and stuff like that. And just reminding myself of how much my life changed working with a coach. That's something that I wanted to do for myself. So I started my business while I was on maternity leave. I worked six months part-time. And then I made a decision. I decided, you know what? I don't have to settle anymore. Right. You know, I'm going to go after what I believe is my purpose. I have taken everything that I've been through and turned it into something to not only benefit me because I'm now fulfilled, but to benefit others. I love that. That is amazing because I totally understand where you're coming from. I remember I used to work for the state for eight years as a rehabilitation counselor. And it would get to a point where it was just, upsetting because like we weren't really helping people we weren't doing what we were supposed to be doing but then we had these long hours you couldn't pick your kids up they couldn't bring to office and then one day I was just like this is ridiculous like why am I doing this it comes to a point of why are you doing this you're like I don't want to do this and then I was looking at my retirement fund I had been there for eight years and only had twenty thousand dollars in retirement so if I spend another eight years there that's like forty thousand like what am I working for I can't even retire So I just said, forget it. Like, like, forget it. It's just not worth it. And I I quit like two years ago and I'm happy I did. I haven't been happier. And I'm working on things. I'm passionate about things that I want to do. I see my business working out. So it's just one of those things. But sometimes you just got to let some things go. You just got to mm-hmm. leave, like step away. Just, mm-hmm. just do it. Just let go. Because if you don't, you will be doing the same thing for years and years. Because I remember I saw my mom, like you said, work. I think she liked the job. But the point is, she still worked. And then when she retired, she had like nothing. She was still broke. So it's just like, why mm-hmm. do you do this? You can't build wealth building no. someone else's business, right? You can't. So like I teach my clients to use their job as their the funding for the real wealth building. What you're saying is so true. This is amazing. So if anyone wanted to get in contact with you, how would we do that? Where can we find you? I spend a lot of time on Instagram. So my handle on Instagram is Black Rose Coaching. Black is spelled B-L-A-Q-U-E, Rose, R-O-S-E, Coaching, C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G. Reach out to me um, either there or my website is blackrosecoaching.com and you have all the information. I offer a lot of free value um, and free resources for women who want to work through their limited beliefs or want to start a business. Guys, I'm going to have all this in the show notes. So if you're driving, please don't try to write this down. It'll be in the show notes. Just click on the link and you can definitely be connected to Letitia. Letitia, thank you so much. It was a pleasure talking to you. Your story is absolutely amazing. And I look forward to hearing more from you in the future.
Yes, thank you for having me. It was absolutely a pleasure talking with Leticia, and I love what she had to say. Now, one of the key takeaways from her interview was when her mother asked her why she loved other people more than she loved herself. When I heard her say that, I was like, yes, because that was such a powerful moment. Because sometimes as women, we put everybody else before ourselves, and we think that we can help everybody and save the world. And I think it's important to realize that it is impossible for the people in our lives to be okay if we are not okay. We cannot give them what we don't have. So it's very important for us as women to practice self-care so that we can make sure that we're okay, so that we can make sure the people in our lives are okay. The song that we are going to listen to today is called The Letter, and it's about a woman who is writing a letter to herself as a form of encouragement to herself. So here's the song, The Letter. Now, before I end the podcast, I would like to thank our sponsors, 
improve your marriage while improving yourself. That's my amazing new course that is coming up. It's a year-long intensive about how to improve your marriage and in the process, improve yourself. There's a link in the show notes. Click on that so that you can pre-enroll or pre-register for this course. I would also like to let you know if you would like to schedule a coaching call with me, you can also click on the link in the show notes and you can do that as well. If there's anything you want to talk about, because I noticed that there are a lot of times when I finish the podcast that you may have some questions or you may want to talk in more detail about what you're going through and try to figure out how to deal with your situations. If that is you, then feel free to schedule a coaching call with me and I will have the link in the show notes. I also want to thank you guys so much for listening and for being listeners of the podcast. I appreciate you listening. I appreciate your time. And I simply enjoy just hanging out with you. Now, if you enjoy hanging out with me as much as I enjoy hanging out with you, then I encourage you to share the podcast with a friend, follow the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, and make sure to leave a review because I would absolutely love to hear what you think about the podcast and know what I can do to help you. If you guys would like to get in contact with me, all of my social media is there in the show notes. So click on the links, join me on social media, and you can definitely get in contact with me. I think that is all for today. Um, If you guys need to contact me, feel free to contact me on Facebook, uh, Instagram. I promise you, if you leave me a message, I will definitely get in contact with you. All right. Well, until we talk again next Wednesday, have an amazing day. Enjoy your weekend, and I will talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Oh, yeah.